The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 380. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll. 10 Myths of American History, and you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses, and you get the best coupons for Black Friday. Now, that's a big hint. If you're over at McClanahan Academy, you've already got these deals, and I'm talking at least 30% off on many of my courses, if not more. So if you want those coupons, you want those deals, and that's the way we keep this podcast free of charge, head on over to McClanahan Academy, enroll, get the free class, and then get the deals on the courses. And these will run through at least Black Friday, so Cyber Monday. So we've got a couple of weeks, but you're going to want to get those deals right now and pick that stuff up. Makes a great gift. We know what else makes a great gift? My newest book, Southern Scribbling. So if you go to brianmcclanahan.com, click on that support tab, you can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. You also get your book plate. That's my autograph on a book, and you buy my book, Southern Scribblings, and then you get the book plate, and you get an autographed book. But Southern Scribblings is an awesome book. 60 Essays and Defenses of Southern Tradition. You're going to want it. makes a great Christmas gift. We've got all this stuff coming up. you know. So think about that on your holiday shopping list. Get one of my books, and then get a book plate. Get a Brian McClanahan Show t-shirt, or wall plate, or clock. Just click on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. That way you can get that awesome stuff, too. Lots of great gift ideas out there for this time of year. So make sure you do that. Also, rate this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Share it around on social media. Do all you can do to get people listening to The Brian McClanahan Show. I know I've not been podcasting as much as I was for a few weeks. I've just had a lot of things going on. Not sure I can keep up the four-time-a-week podcast. Uh, We'll probably cut it back to two times a week. Uh, Maybe more. We'll see what I can get in, but... Uh, you know, things are getting back to normal now with work schedules and other things. So it's, uh, you know, the, the COVID crisis, or all that was, allowed me to podcast more and also create more content at McClanahan Academy. But uh, that's kind of winding down now. We'll be going back to normal life in a lot of ways. So, uh, but still, I'll, tr- I'll still do what I can to get two in a week. And I've also got the Abbeville Institute podcast. So make sure you pick that one up too. That one's always going to be out there uh, on Saturday, typically. So look for Abbeville Institute. Just go to abbevilleinstitute.org, A-B-B-E-V-I-L-L-E, and you get that podcast too. That's at least one more of me. All right, so let's talk about the topic, and we got to still look at this election thing. Now, the last thing I talked about, uh, the last podcast, is the final days of the Trump administration and what I thought Trump should be doing um, And in this current political climate. One thing I said he should be doing is getting out there and being very presidential. What I mean by that? He should be going out and doing stuff on a regular basis. Look, use John Adams as an example. And when I say that, John Adams was bitter about losing the 1800 election. And in fact, this podcast is going to be about the 1800 election overall. 
John Adams was bitter about losing the 1800 election, but what did he do? Well, he kept pressing forward with the Federalist political agenda, and I think Trump should still be doing this. I saw a headline that military advisors are telling him there's only 200 troops in Syria. Now, whether this is true or not, if they're really doing this, but there's only 200 troops there, so you won't withdraw them out of Syria. I mean, this is, this is the deep state working against a guy who's trying to draw down the American empire, at least in a way, right? I mean, we know Trump is not perfect in this regard. There's rumblings that somehow the, there's a, a potential war with Iran on the, on the horizon with Israel. I don't know if that's true or not. I know if Biden gets into office and he actually wins, and this is where I'm going to start talking about this today. If he actually does win, I mean, and all this works out in his favor, um, then I'm certain, I'm 100% certain we're going to see war in the Middle East, expansion of war in the Middle East. Uh, we've all there's, there's been headlines about Brexit, how Biden doesn't support Brexit, so there's going to be a difficulty there, and uh, what's going to happen with that. I mean, we're talking about a major shift in a, from a much more traditionally conservative American foreign policy to one of Wilsonian interventionism. I mean, this is what we're going to get with a Biden administration. We're also going to try to get, I mean, he's talking about locking down the country. I mean, there are so many bad things about a Biden administration. The sad thing is, I think a lot of people who did vote for Biden uh, in this election did it because they were voting against Trump, and what they're actually going to do to themselves is worse. Right? I mean, this this is the real problem with all of this. So uh, Trump is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but he is better than the establishment in the deep state getting their hands on government again. And I'm telling you, they've got their enemies list. They're going after people who supported Trump and did things at this point forward. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but certainly, uh, it's going to be a shift in our foreign policy. Perhaps even, I mean, we know that immigration is going to, the, the doors are going to open. And Trump hasn't been as hard on immigration as everyone thinks. The idea of kids in cages, I mean, that was the Obama administration. This, this is the funny thing about all this. A lot of the attacks being leveled against Trump were from holdovers from the Obama administration. We know that these people that were in the, in the state ingrained the bureaucracy. This is the problem with the Pendleton Act from 1881. The president has no control over the bureaucracy anymore. These people get in there, and they stay for 25 years or 30 years, so they get a pension. These are ideological people, and they are harming the agenda. Now, we could say that's a good thing. Let's say you have a Marxist, a radical Marxist get in there and they want to completely restructure things and these people can put the brakes on that. But I'm not so certain that's going to happen. Most of these people are interested in expansive federal power and extreme measures for the federal government. But regardless, what I want to talk about is, again, the 1800 election and what happened after. And then what does this mean for the 2020 election? So here we are 220 years later. In 1800, we know that we had a tie, essentially, between Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr. Now, it wasn't between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, as a lot of people think. It was between Jefferson and Burr. So let's talk about this 1800 election. Thomas Jefferson as Vice President of the United States, in his role as Vice President of the United States, was to open the ballots that were put before him for the Electoral College. And he had discretion to choose which electors to receive or not to receive. Now, this is an interesting situation because Georgia was disputed. 
And because Georgia was disputed, there were four electoral college votes coming from Georgia. You see, Jefferson and Burrage received 73 electoral college votes in 1800. Adams received less than that. But these four votes are disputed. So if Jefferson does not agree to receive these votes, well, then he doesn't get 70, and now the entire process is thrown into disarray. But Jefferson decides to take the four, and so because he decides to take the four, we have to have the election thrown to the House of Representatives because uh, this is uh, the, the process by which the, the election would then commence. So we've got a situation where we have a tie. Jefferson determines there's going to be a tie. So this is where the vice president of the United States comes into play here. Who is the current vice president of the United States? Well, Mike Pence. You see, the vice president, has a tr- he's president of the Senate. He has tremendous discretion when it comes to who becomes president of the United States because the Electoral College will then send the votes to the president, the vice president, I should say, to the Senate, where they're opened and read. Now, let me get into the 12th Amendment because ultimately the 1800 election leads to the 12th Amendment where you have a separate ballot for president and vice president. So let me read what the 12th Amendment says, which was ratified in 1804. And it says this. The electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for president and vice president, one of whom at least shall not be inhabitant of the same state with themselves. They shall name in their ballots the person voted for as president and in distinct ballots the person voted for as vice president, and they shall make distinct lists of all persons voted for as president and of all persons voted for as vice president, and of the number of votes for each, which they, which list they shall sign and certify and transmit, sealed to the seat of government of the United States, directed to the president of the Senate, i.e., the vice president of the United States. The president of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all the certificates, and the votes shall then be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes for president shall be president, if such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. And if no person have such a majority, then the persons from the persons having the highest numbers, not exceeding three on the list of those voted for as president, the House of Representatives shall choose immediately by ballot the president. But in choosing the president, the vote shall be taken by states, the representation from each state having one vote. A quorum for this purposes shall consist of a number of a member of or members from two-thirds of the states, and majority of all the states be necessary to a choice. Now, let me get into what this means. So, the president gets to look, the vice president of the, president of the Senate, vice president of the United States, gets to look at these ballots, and they tally it up. What happens if you have two returns? What happens if, in this particular election cycle, we've got a situation where you have Michigan, say, for example, or just go to Wisconsin. Wisconsin has a Republican legislature. And let's say they firmly believe that there was voter fraud in Wisconsin. And they decide they're going to send Republican electors as the disputed returns, Republican electors, to the vice president of the United States along and the Democrats send their electors. Now you got two lists. Okay? 
And let's say Pennsylvania does this. Let's say Georgia does this. Georgia decides there is some serious voting irregularity here, and we're going to send Republican electors. Let's say Arizona decides the same thing. Let's say these states that are disputed, the Republicans, send their own electors. Now Vice President Pence has a a quandary here. What does he do? Does he say, I'm going to go with these set of electors, or am I going to go with these set of electors? If he really does believe that there was voting irregularity, if he believes it, and this is where if the Republicans had a backbone, they had guts, they could really throw a wrench into this 2020 election. Joe Biden's running around saying he's president-elect. He's not yet. He's not until, really, until the Electoral College meets and votes. And then those votes are certified by the vice president of the United States. There's no office of the vice. There's no office of the president-elect. This GSA position that's been created to say, oh, yeah, we're going to let you come in and have an office in the White House and do these things. There's none of that for the transition. That's all just created by Congress. There's nothing that gives them the power to do this. Okay, what we really have is a situation where Donald Trump is president until January 20th of next year. And the transition could be happening behind the scenes. But this is what should be going on. Now, I know, well, we've got all these foreign policy issues and all this stuff and all these things. We've got to have security briefings and all these things. Uh, Yeah, I mean, okay. Um, The president couldn't get up to speed when they get into office. I mean, that couldn't happen. If Joe Biden's actually going to be president. But here's how this could be thrown into a wrench. So Mike Pence could get all of these ballots. And he could say, you know what? I don't know which one to believe. I'm throwing them all out. And then what happens? Well, then the Congress votes. Now, the important part about this is that there has to be a quorum. So what could happen is that uh, if you have, say, a Republican-controlled state or a Democrat-controlled state, let's say... The, uh, the Democrats decide they're going to boycott this. This is going to get interesting now. They're going to boycott this. They control, I think, about two-thirds of the, legis- of, the, of the legislative delegation from California. They could just say, we're not going to meet. All the states have to be there and vote. So you could have a situation where the Democrats then boycott. They won't show up to vote for the president because they could say, well, here we go. We've got a situation where... Um, we have a clear fraud on our hands. The Democrats could say this. This is fraud. We won. You didn't win. But the Republicans now are saying, well, we don't know which ones. We believe there's fraud on the other side. So then what happens? Well, here you get to the next part of this. And if the House of Representatives shall not choose a president whenever the right of choice shall devolve upon them before the fourth day of March next following, then the vice president shall act as president, as in the case of the death of or other constitutional disability of the president. Okay? So the vice president would act as president. Now, who is this vice president? Would it be the current vice president of the United States? Well, this is a little ambiguous because it says the person having the greatest number of votes as vice president shall be the vice president if such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. And if no person have a majority, then from the two highest numbers on the list, the Senate shall choose the vice president. A quorum for the purpose shall consist of two-thirds of the number of senators, and a majority of the whole number shall be necessary to a choice. But no person constitutionally ineligible to be to the office of the president shall be eligible to that of vice president of the United States. 
So would Mike Pence then become president of the United States until they could sort all this out? Well, I think that's the gray area, and I think he would, because the way we've designed the ballot is that the president and vice president are chosen together, which is not what the 12th Amendment actually specifies. See, the whole way we go through this is actually incorrect. Everybody should have a choice on their ballot. I'm going to vote for Donald Trump for president or Joe Biden for president. I'm going to vote for Mike Pence or Kamala Harris. You should have to vote for each. So who's to say that you couldn't vote for Joe Biden and Mike Pence or Donald Trump and Kamala Harris? You should have to vote for each. Not as a ticket. This is where you run into problems. There should be a separation for president and vice president according to the 12th Amendment of the United States. But they should be clearly delineated. These are vice presidential candidates. These are presidential candidates. But we don't do that. We vote as a, as a team. And that's not the way it's supposed to work. So this creates a very interesting situation. Again, if the Republicans had guts, they'd play hardball here. We know the Democrats would do it. The Democrats didn't do this in 2016 because they didn't have control of the, Cong the Senate to be able to do it, to pu pull any of this off. They had Joe Biden that could have done something like this. But I think they still realize they would have lost, you see. So because they, don't have, they didn't have control of enough states to pull this off to get Hillary Clinton elected president. You see, the Republicans, though, have that. They have control of the Senate and they have more state delegations in hands of Republicans than they do Democrats. And if they really wanted to play hardball and they really wanted to block Joe Biden. And as he talks, you see what Joe Biden's going to want. Now, I know that Republican senators have come forward and congressmen, oh, well, Joe Biden's the president-elect. we got to support him. Why? His agenda, and now this is, this is where you get into the problems with the Republican Party. His agenda is establishment to the core, and this is why a lot of Republicans want it, because they realize this is what is better for them. Trump was a wrench in the entire system, at least rhetorically was a wrench. I don't think always in action. But rhetorically was a wrench. I mean, we know, we know Biden is going to do some things through executive orders that are, I mean, we're just going back to Obama, to the Obama administration, particularly in things like immigration. But here we go. I mean, the Republicans could create a, a very interesting situation. Now, the last part of this is interesting, too, because is Kamala Harris even eligible to be President of the United States. If we're going by an original interpretation of the Natural Born Citizen Clause, well, she's not, because neither one of her parents were American citizens when she was born. She was born in the U.S. With Obama, you could say that uh, he was born in Hawaii. I mean, this was the catch with Obama. Was he actually born in Hawaii? Was he born in Kenya? Where was he born? But either way, his mother was an American citizen. At least, I mean, then we get into that issue was, was, did she give up her citizenship at one point or not, or how did this work? But regardless, she was a citizen, so that would actually solve that problem. This is where Ted Cruz, this is where Trump used to troll Ted Cruz and say, hey, look, Ted, are you even, are, should, could you run for president of Canada, but not for the United States? Because Ted Cruz was born in Canada, but... Theoretically, his mother was an American citizen. This is where Obama actually had a greater claim to American citizenship if he's born in Hawaii than Ted Cruz did. Uh, but, I mean, again, Marco Rubio, 
Another is Marco Rubio, eligibly president of the United States. Neither one of his parents were citizens when he was born. So the, the natural-born citizen clause has just been shredded in the last couple of election cycles because of this particular situation. If your parents were citizens when you're born, then you're a citizen of the United States, no matter where you are. I mean, that's, that should be pretty clear. Uh, I think that that's something that's without question. Even if you're born on foreign soil, if your parents are citizens of the United States, I mean, you could make a case that you're a citizen of the United States. And this was brought up with uh, one of the princes in uh, in uh, Saudi uh, in the Middle East. I can't remember which country, uh, but his um, his mother was a U.S. citizen. So would that make him a citizen of the United States? He's born in the Middle East. Would that make him a citizen, eligible to be president of the United States? I mean, theoretically, this would be the case. Unless we say both parents have to be citizens, or unless we say that you have to be born on U.S. soil. I mean, how does this work? Or a military base? I mean, this is where the natural born citizen clause creates a big problem for a lot of current presidential candidates, including Kamala Harris, including Ted Cruz, including Marco Rubio, including Barack Obama. But because of the Obama administration, I think it's people are just starting to ignore this now. But the Republicans, if they had any guts, would be John Adams in 1800. I mean, John Adams in 1800 was filling up federal uh, court vacancies. He was going at it. They were trying to push. The the Federalists were pushing their agenda through Congress as fast as they could. The Republicans should be doing that exact thing right this second. They should be ramming as many federal judges into the system as they can. Trump should be working overtime to do this. as, As I mentioned on Monday, and I read Lou Rockwell's excellent piece on this, he should be out there doing everything he can to cement the Trump agenda. And the Republicans should be working with him because they control the Senate. He should be cementing the Republican agenda as fast as he can in this particular process and not playing around. Now, of course, the rumors are the, the, is that Trump has just kind of given up. He's just playing golf. He doesn't really care anymore. He's just trying to raise money. He doesn't, he's not really into the, the fight. I'm not so certain Trump is into it as much as the Trump supporters who want Trump to be president. They're afraid of what a Biden presidency is going to be. And so they're pushing for, uh, you know, these active, uh, you know, audits and everything else. I mean, we'll see what's going to happen with this. But either way, Mike Pence could control everything here. Mike Pence could throw a wrench into the entire process by simply saying, I'm going to throw these electoral college votes out because of suspicion of wrongdoing. So therefore, we don't have a majority in the Electoral College. The Congress now has to decide. And if the Congress decides, Donald Trump remains president of the United States. And really, there's nothing, nothing that that can be done about it. Now, you could say, well, Joe Biden could then sue in the Supreme Court. This is true. Biden could then take it to the Supreme Court and say, look, I think Mike Pence, because he has standing in this case, he would be the person that would win. He has standing. So can Mike Pence do this? And of course, the Supreme Court could then sort it out, which means that the court could then decide for Joe Biden or Donald Trump, which I think is also a possibility. We're going to, I mean, the historian in me wants to see something dramatic like this happen, not just, ah, we give up and Joe Biden becomes president. Let's make this, let's make it a real issue and go forward with it. Instead of just rolling over and dying here, and just accepting, uh, if there really was fraud and you believe it, then go for it. 
This is the key. this is the key. If there really if it really existed, and there's really fraud, then go for it. But this is where you know the 1800 election, the Twelfth Amendment, all this comes in. People have asked me about this. The Twelfth Amendment could create problems for the Biden campaign if Mike Pence and the Republicans are willing to play hardball. And I think some are. Some are really willing to do it. I don't know what the political backlash would be. Uh, but if you know, if you've got 70 million Trump supporters, and that's the tragedy in all this. Even if Biden had 50.8% of the popular vote, whatever that is, whatever that means, that's still not 51 people out of 100. Or if you look at it, it's still 51 people. Even you round it up. 51 people out of 100 get to determine what 49 people are going to do. What the other 49 are going to do. This is, this is why democracy, quote-unquote, is so dangerous. Because 49 people don't want what 51 people want. And they're going to be abused. This is why minority protection is important. This is why I've talked about concurrent majority and some other things. It's why all these things are important. Anyways, that's my thought on what could happen here. Uh, I think it would be interesting to see if this does happen. Again, the historian me wants to see it. Uh, and, and have the Republicans play hardball here. I mean, there's still time to sort this out. We're not, even, we're not even halfway through the month of November yet. And this could go on for another four weeks. And then it could go on beyond that if Mike Pence actually does play. If there, if there is enough here, and, the, and the, what's funny about this, the press is now admitting that there are voting irregularities. But it's not enough to swing the election. Well, if there's, well, there's smoke, there's fire. If there's some, there's more. And these voting machines and other things, I mean, this is dangerous stuff. We need to get all this worked out for the future because there's so much power involved here. And this is what the key to all this is. There's power involved. The Democrats want power back. They want it so bad. They've wanted it for four years so bad. They've done everything they can to get it. And I wouldn't put it past any of them. As Obama, uh, I'm sorry, as Biden's chief of staff has said, all, election, all elections are rigged. They're all rigged. Right. So what makes this one any different? That's the question. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe there's nothing to it. I have no idea. I'm not involved in all this. But I think we're seeing some real interesting developments here and how this could all work out. Uh, the 12th Amendment could become really interesting in this election. Uh, I, I would say the chances of it are about 1% at the most. But it could be really interesting moving forward. All right. So that's uh, this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next time for the next one. See you then.